Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. But hey, today's going to be a special uh, Sunday because today I'm joined by my beautiful, amazing, awesome wife, Liz. Give it up for my wife, y'all. Yeah, so excited I get to do this uh, with you. And we're going to share a bit about marriage. And uh, we'll also have help from some more seasoned uh, believers in Christ, some more seasoned uh, married people. I mean, we've only been married uh, close to 10 years, but um, it feels like a long time. Uh, but the people that we'll be bringing out today have been married for 43, and so that's definitely a win. And today is for both married people and single people. I want you to know that. It's for single people um, because single people, um, I think there's a marriage gets a bad rap, and uh, it's not as bad as you hear. It's actually a lot of fun. For us, marriage has been a strength, and so we want to show you that. And also, if you're not married yet, um, it's a good time to learn about what marriage is and, and what to expect when you get married. I think the best time to learn or the best time to, to build a plane is not when it's in the air. It's before it takes off. And a lot of people get married, and they come to something like this, and it's like trying to build a plane while it's flying. And it's just a little more difficult. Um, and so we want to give you the tools to be able to do that uh, you know, beforehand. Uh, and married people, it's going to be for you, too, because we're going to give you a brand new perspective on marriage um, is what we, what we hope. And so um, I'm really glad that we get to do this together in a conversational tone. I think because for us, I think one of the ways you're going to learn about marriage is through example. I'm a very visual learner. I need to see you do something. And then once you do it, I can do it, too, as long as I see you do it first. Um, and so I think one of the reasons why our marriage has been so blessed is because we both came from really healthy marriages as far as, like, well, not prior marriages, but like our parents had awesome marriages. Both of our, my parents have been yeah. married. How long have your parents been married? Oh, my gosh. They're going to celebrate 50 years soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long my parents have been married, as long as I can remember. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> as long as I can remember, because when I was born, they were. Okay. Anyway, so, um, so, so we're going to give you some examples today of, of good, healthy marriages. And, uh, but we also, the way you can learn, if you didn't have a great, healthy marriage, you know, that's what the series has been about. So download the podcast. But also a great way to learn not, how not to get married um, is through the internet. And so uh, we've got some, uh, some, some memes, some pictures we found on the internet that are just great images of what not to do uh, when you get married. And so here are some we want to show you really quickly. Okay. We're starting our lives together. Let's spend all our money in one day. <laughs> Don't do that, all right? If you're engaged here, uh, just listen. Just elope, Facebook live it, um, serve water. Don't even worry about soda and punch. Just low, low key. Save the money uh, for the kids, okay? Uh, number two, math made simple. If you have $20 and your wife has $5, she has $25. That's true. That's so true. That's not even a mistake. That's just truth. That's just truth. Next one, what it's like living with my husband. Is that true? Not for you. Come on, that's not the same, girl. I got better. I got so better with that. In the beginning, yes. Don't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> so, so better. And, um, and, but here's the problem. Wives, you know, your husbands have this issue, but then you try and help. But then your help actually hurts because the next one is, um, I don't always lose stuff, but when I do, it's because my wife moved it. That's just, tr- that's just truth as well. Just leave it there. There's, 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 there's purpose in the chaos, okay? We know where it's at. That's what's important. Um, and this one, last one. Uh, yeah, if two people love each other, nothing is impossible except deciding where to eat. That is not a lie, right? I always ask you, babe, what do you want to eat? And what do you always say? I always say, where do you want to eat? But that's not true. 
That's a lie. Because then I'll give my suggestion and then she'll be like, nah, I don't want to eat there. Well, then why'd you ask me in the first place? Trying to be nice. Damn, just tell me. I'm down. Um, so yeah, so uh, marriage is not the end all, but if you're going to do it, we definitely want to help because marriage is spelled work. W-O-R-K. What's that spell? No, it spells marriage. Okay, that's what it spells. And, uh, and that should not discourage you because a lot of things that are, are worth it in life require work. And so uh, the question I think you need to ask if you're thinking about getting married or staying married is not, does this take work, but is it worth the work? Because that, that's what we need to, when something's worth the work, then it's, you know what else is spelled W-O-R-K? Six-pack. You know what else is spelled W-O-R-K? 401K. Retirement. Wealth. Health. Okay? And so just because it's a gift doesn't mean that you shouldn't, even, just, even salvation, people say salvation's free, it's a gift. But not really. Paul said in Philippians, he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So it is a gift, but just because it's a gift doesn't mean you don't have to work it. If I gave you a gym membership for free and I said, here you go, man, this will change your life, it doesn't matter if you don't actually go and, and, and work it. So, um, you know, it's kind of like, like having kids. Kids take work, but there's, there's reward. Yeah, there's rewards. The hugs, the kisses, the yeah. watching them play t-ball yeah. and have fun. And that's where it ends, though, as far as their <laughs> rewards for kids. <laughs> they pretty much take from day one from you. So, uh, but yeah, well, absolutely. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that we get to introduce somebody to dispel those notions of marriage. Uh, this is an amazing couple that we met a while back, and uh, we, they came to our church. They found us, uh, invited by their hairstylist. Uh, the wife was Janelle. David and Janelle Ray are an amazing couple. Um, been married, like I said, 43 years. And I think a lot of people, when they think about marriage, are wondering, hey, is it worth doing? Is it worth doing for a lifetime? Because I think that's I hear a lot, man. Being married to one person for the rest of your life, like, I'd be bored. I don't know if I could do that. And so I figured if anybody was tired by her husband by now, it'd be Janelle. Um, but she's not. Uh, you hang out with them. And uh, we had the privilege of having dinner over at their house one night. And um, they just look like they're in love. They're dating still. They're telling stories that are borderline not going to share today. Yeah, borderline racy. And I'm like, okay, all right, okay. We need to talk to you guys. So anyway, would you guys do me a favor and give it up for David and Janelle Ray as they come to the stage? Awesome. David and Janelle, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being here uh, this morning. Thank you so much for, uh, yeah, go ahead, middle chairs, you guys. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for sharing your story, taking time. We love you guys. And so, Janelle, I know you were invited by your hairstylist to Journey Church. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, then you came on a Sunday. I was preaching about my son. And, and uh, I remember you were really moved and invited me out to eat. We met at Starbucks. Right. And I was blown away by your youth um, and, uh, and your spirit. And I need uh, glasses. And I need glasses. <laughs> You're so funny. Um, and so, yeah. So, hey, man, thank you so much again for being here. We have a couple questions we want to share with you guys and, uh, and just uh, glean from your wisdom. Yeah, so the first question we have is, um, can you guys share with us how you first met? Sure. Um, well, we, um, I, had, uh, I was 26 years old, and um, I had uh, just finished law school and uh, was waiting for my bar results so that I could start practicing law. And at the time, I was working uh, at a private detective agency uh, called Wackenhut Corporation. And uh, Janelle was also working there um, as a secretary, and uh, we had an assignment that uh, I needed to go out on that came up very suddenly, um, and I needed a female operative, and there were none available. Uh, everybody was on assignment. Uh, I had nobody 
uh, that I could use, and it was critical for this particular deal that there be a woman operative. So Janelle was standing there, so I said, hey, you want to go be a private detective for a night? <laughs> and <Yeah>. I did. <laughs> um, that was the first of our journey. We, um, we considered that actually as our first date, and then um, we both had dates the next night with somebody else. Um, and then from then on out, uh, three months later, we were engaged, and at six months, we were married. Um, our marriage started out great. He was practicing law. Um, I was, um, I'm a social worker by trade, so um, it was pretty idyllic. Uh, one year of marriage, we built our first house. I was 22 years of age, um, and that's, when I think about it now, I'm thinking, you know, picking out shingles and doorknobs and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it was pretty awesome. So we had a pretty idyllic life. Um, five or six years later, we bought a home that was in a um, historic district. So we had the fun of having it revamped and worked on that together. Um, uh, always involved in church from the moment we got married. Um, we were always um, attending a church and very involved um, and life from the outside looked pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I mean, you guys have been married for so long now. I'm pretty sure you have um, dealt with hardships and struggles. Um, am I correct in assuming that? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Can you guys share with us maybe a, a time that it was hard for you guys and how you overcame it? You can do it. I can keep it together. <laughs> uh, well, you know, as I was very successful in my business, but I began drinking very heavily. Um, basically, was an alcoholic, doing some really stupid stuff, uh, including the fact that I cheated on Janelle uh, 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 multiple times and um, was caught by my 16 or 17-year-old son um, with another woman um, in bed in our house uh, in Memphis. Um, my son gave us an ultimatum, um, gave me an ultimatum. In fact, he wrote me a note that I've still got and read fairly regularly. I read it last night again. Um, but he basically said that I needed to go to where Janelle was right then at our lake house, uh, tell her the truth, uh, and if I didn't, he would. So he did. Um, so a weekend at the lake house that was supposed to be a fun getaway weekend turned into a nightmare for me at least, and I think for, for him too, and our son. Um, I was floored. I was blown away. Just um, I, There was probably two weeks that I don't even recall my life because, you know, here was this man that I, I adored who... I found out was not adoring me. Um, so after a couple of weeks, um, I had kind of made my plan. I had talked with some very close um, friends in our small group um, that was so key to everything. And I gave them an ultimatum. I said, you know, A, you have to stop drinking immediately. Uh, two, you have to quit all the other business. And three, you have to get involved in some sort of a support group, AA or whatever was appropriate. Um, so he did. Did all of that, yes. Yeah. 
Come on, man. 30 years later, 20. Come on. Can we give it up? That's, I don't care how many years ago that was. That takes a tremendous level of courage to share with any group of people. And I think one of the biggest parts of that testimony is you told me that your son called you last night and said, like, way to go, he, Dad. Yeah, he told me he was very proud that I was going to uh, disclose this because, you know, other than the two of us, you know, no one else knows this story. Uh, it's not one I'm proud of, um, and nor have I therefore shared it. But what he said was that uh, there are probably people in this room and people that might hear this online um, that may be going through the same thing, and that I might be having the opportunity to change the trajectory of a marriage that might be about the end. Absolutely. I mean, and I, and I think that they, for sure are couples out here in the audience right now who have experienced... I'm going to know someone who's experienced what you've done and, and, uh, and, or have experienced, and uh, your story's going to bring them hope, and it's going to bring them life. And not only that, but all the people who get to hear this um, as well. And so thank you again so much for sharing that, because that takes love and money. Could you give it up again for the Ray family? He told me backstage. He prepared me for it. He said, I'm going to tell you my story now, because if I tell you in front of everybody, I didn't hear it. I just, we sent him the question, and I just thought it was going to be like, because this is such an amazing couple. I just thought it was going to be like, one time, you know, Janelle forgot to like, you know, like... <laughs> She lost my socks, you know, and I was going to be like, yeah, I, I can relate, man, you know, but when he told me that, I was like, man, I'm glad you did, because I would have not known what to say after, because I'd have been so blown away because of, of how much you guys are in love now. You would never know. You would never know, and I think that there's people who are sitting here right now that um, nobody would know your pain, nobody would know what it is that you're experiencing, um, and uh, when you see this amazing couple, I, just want, I don't want you to see a couple, I want you to see hope. I want you to see hope, because it's not over for you yet. It's not over for you yet. There's hope. I don't care how dark or bleak your situation is. Uh, and there's hope. And so that being said, it's been uh, a couple years since then now, and uh, you guys are more in love than ever. Um, like I said, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you out, because when we had dinner, just, you know, we always just kept looking at each other's eyes and oh, making all inside jokes and stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's so cute. I want to be this. I want to be them, you know, relationship goals. And so um, what would you say to, a, to a, a young person or even a married person who says, you know what, um, I just can't see myself spending my whole life with one person. I just think it'd get... Uh, mundane, I think it'd get repetitive, I think it'd be, for lack of a better word, boring. What kind of uh, counsel would you give that person? Gosh, I, I can't imagine not spending uh, my life with Janelle. Uh, you know, we have very good examples. Both uh, uh, my parents and Janelle's parents uh, uh, were married till the day one of the spouses died. Um, and uh, we've grown in 45 years so close that, I mean, we can almost complete each other's thoughts. And we see things and life about things that no one else will ever get. All we've got to do is say a word, yep. like Methodist Hospital, yep. and it brings back to us a memory. Um, or skinny dipping. Yeah, or seeing our... Um, I was you know, an inside joke I was there for. Right? We'll, we'll let you know later. We'll let you know later. <laughs> exactly. So the 11 o'clock, come back. <laughs> Um, you know, you, you're together so much that you just are so comfortable with each other. And I just can't imagine starting over. I can't imagine being with anybody else. Sure. And I think that goes back to the, uh, if you guys were here last Sunday, we found out that the root definition of the word intimacy in the Latin is to know. And so what a lot of people mistake as a physical encounter you know, i.e. sex, and God, and even in the Old Testament, when a husband and a wife would have sex, the, the Bible never used sex. It said, and he knew her. Knew her, yes. That's how it called, that was this word for intimacy, and she knew him. 
And that's what it's called. And so the reason why I think you guys are so in love is because you're experiencing a level of intimacy the only time can give. You know each other on such a deep, 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 deep level that it's, it's evolved beyond romance. You know, it's intimacy. It's beautiful. Uh, David, what is some advice you would give to maybe a husband-to-be? Um, or a husband. Yeah, or a husband. Yeah. Um, well, you know, one would be to, you know, start doing things together that uh, you both like doing. And um, we tried that, and some were, you know, <laughs> failures. We, uh, we tried to play tennis together and uh, tried to play racquetball together. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Janelle was much more competitive than I was, and uh, uh, that didn't work out well. Uh, but we developed other things. Uh, we love, love to scuba dive together. We love to read. We love to eat, uh, as you know, and as our small group knows. Uh, your small group is named Soul Food, Soul right? Food, Soul yeah. Food, yeah. There's still space in their small group, so if you want to be around yeah. some amazing people, yeah. come, you need come. to come to this group, okay? <laughs> um, you know, we, uh, uh, you need to find, the, you know, things to do that, you know, help you grow together, uh, that, you, that you're not apart, that you're together. Uh, so I've learned to like things that uh, I never would have thought about in uh, uh, 45 years ago. Um, and the, the second thing is we pray. Uh, and throughout our marriage, we've, uh, uh, we don't leave the house. One of us doesn't leave the house in the morning without praying with each other. And it's the last thing we do at night is we read a devotion together, and we pray. Um, so I think we begin and end the day um, with God. And, and Janelle's got a, uh, a little saying that's, um, and I can remember all the a day hemmed in by prayer. What does it say? It's in the bathroom. On yeah. Um, but uh, basically it's saying if you start and end the day, if you're surrounded by prayer, then, you know, your day's going to be good. Um, and, you know, for you need to have date nights. You know, when you have kids, that gets a situation where you just became, become so tangled up with children that you forget each other. And you can't do that. Uh, you've got to uh, have adult time together. Um, and and that would be the main advice I'd give. That's awesome. Janelle, what advice would you give uh, wives or wives-to-be? Um, well, of course, he's still a couple of mine, the, the praying together. <laughs> now um, we practiced it, David. Um, and that's not something we've always done in our married life Um, it was because God had a wreck in our marriage for us to be able to realize that we needed to change the trajectory and um, after that is when we started really praying together Um, I think we always pray but it wasn't together and um, actually David's been in a couple of men's groups and he's talked about us praying And the men always look at him like, you pray with your wife? And he's like, yeah, of course, you know. Um, So that's one thing. The uh, second thing um, is that finding a group of Christian women that you can surround yourself with. Um, I have been so blessed over the years to have women's groups. Um, I've got one that's met in my home for 15 years now. Um, And you... You need that support from other Christian women that you can lean on. They'll support you. They'll encourage you. They'll straighten yourself out when you need it. Um, So it's real important to have that. And I think the last thing that I would say is humor. 
We, um, we have a lot of humor. We laugh at a lot of silly, stupid things um, that only we get sometimes. <laughs> and I think that's key, though, for us but because it's just it's another thing that just keeps us connected. Yeah, absolutely. And if you notice in both their stories, there was that importance of groups and being in, around people. And if you remember that pyramid that we had, it was spiritual, and then right above it was social. You can, you can, you're only supposed to be married to one person and only supposed to serve one God, but you need to have a couple of friends. You need a couple of friends around you that you can do life with who love Jesus and are going to encourage you. And so that's amazing. Thank you again so much for sharing your story. You're going to help and heal so many lives, both of you guys. Uh, your pain is going to become someone else's purpose for sure. And so thank you again. Took a lot of courage. And we're just so lucky to have you as a part of our church. I never told you this. I was going to wait till 11 o'clock to tell you. But um, when we started the church, a lot of people said that we would not um, succeed in the city of Winter Park because we were a minority and, uh, and uh, we were so young. And, uh, and then I remember when you and, and, uh, and Liz called Liz and I and asked us to hang out, and we saw, we had lunch, and we were like, well, they don't look like us, or, you know, and, uh, and that's when we thought, you know what, I think this church is going to work, and so, so <laughs> you encouraged us so much, but then we had to have dinner, and then you were encouraging to our marriage as well, just watching that passion, and then we noticed that Journey Church isn't a young church, it's a church for those who are young in spirit, those who still want to make a difference with their lives, and so you taught us that just by being who you are. And I just wanted to say thank you. Um, would you stand on your feet and give it up for this couple really quickly one more time? Thank you so much for everything. You guys are amazing. Amen. Amen. So that, that, uh, that was amazing. So, yeah, our story is so whack compared to that story right there. It's like we should just bring out the abortion team now and just close it out. But, um, but yeah, hey, babe. Um, so I do a lot of talking about our relationship. You never get to say anything about our relationship. You just I sit don't. There. I he has a mic all the time. Yeah, and always. So now I get to share with the true. Yeah. The true story. Yeah. Her version. Yeah. So of the my truth. Version. And so why don't you tell them how we how we met? But the truth. Tell them the truth. The truth. We're in the house of God. So he only gave so. me two minutes. So I have to like. Because that, the truth only takes two minutes. Lies no. take ten minutes. <laughs> Lies take ten minutes. So we met, the way he likes to share the story is that we met at a young adults <laughs> conference. But my, my uh, side of the story was that I, we need to get real. It's a single young adult conference. She makes me sound so desperate. Like, <laughs> I was there for that. I wasn't But there I was that. there too. So I guess that makes me desperate too. I don't know. But we were at a single young adults conference. The funny thing is we met there. We would have met eventually because, yeah. you know, my brother-in-law was in ministry with him. And so we would have seen each other eventually. Um, but that's where we met, um, and at that conference, he, en he ended up he ended up sitting across the table from me at lunch, which we knew that that was on purpose, and we started talking. Um, but we were both in a lot of failed relationships before that, so we kind of, you know, we met each other and whatever, but we didn't really exchange numbers or talk or anything. Um, but over time, we kept seeing each other, like I said, because he worked with my brother-in-law in ministry. Um, I don't know how we ended up, I got your number because I needed directions to get to your house for... For my, I think my sister was trying to hook us up. I think that that's what it was. She gave me his number so I can get directions to his house for a party when there was MapQuest at that time, so I didn't need to call him. But anyways, so I had his number. I hate the player. I hate the game. <laughs> I had his number, um, but again, we kept seeing each other around. We probably met in September. I know the, the year of 2016. You're right, babe. I remember all these things. 2016, and then 2017 in February, I sent out this mass text on Valentine's Day. Um, <laughs> saying, but I thought it was just to me. No, 
It was yes. a mass text. <laughs> I don't know how he didn't see that because you have all these numbers, but regardless. So he, I sent a mass text saying happy Valentine's Day. A happy heart day. Oh, is that what it was? I couldn't remember. Um, and then he texts me back, well, you should spend... <laughs> This is what we do. You should spend it with, with someone who makes you laugh. That was my way of trying to figure out if she had a man. Yeah. And I saw that. So then I said, well, when are we going to hang out? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't suggest that you ladies do that. I don't know what came over me, why I said that. It's the That's Holy Ghost came over you, girl. It's the Holy Spirit. And then from there, we just kept texting each other. Um, I lived in Orlando. He lived in Tampa. We started going on dates. I thought he had money. I know you, if you guys were here last week, you heard he took me on these elaborate dates. So I was like, ooh, dude got money. Um, but- did not. <laughs> I've been saving my money for three years. I didn't know why. Three years worth of savings, gone <laughs> in three months. Then I found out he was broke after all those dates. <laughs> And, but at that point, it's like, I'm already in. Like, it's, yeah, too, late. it's too late. Like, it doesn't matter if he's broke, I'm in. Um, and then he wanted me to share this part because it is funny. And then I'll be done. Though it did not take two minutes. Sorry, but I can't do this in two minutes. Okay. So, so then he, uh, he, he asked me to be his girlfriend, to ba- basically make it official. Uh, he did the whole, like, I feel like God is telling me you're the one for me. But I had heard that so many times. And I'm like, well, God hasn't told me that. And so I told him no. Which is no. the right answer, girls. Yeah. Ladies, women, if someone tells you that. So I told him no. And so he's like, well, then I can't talk to you anymore. <laughs> Which is also the right answer, guys. So I was like, all right. So I was like, fair enough. I went on a 21-day fast because I'm like, I, you know, I really like this guy, but I'm not going to commit myself to be with him if I, don't, you know, if I don't feel like he's the person I'm supposed to be with. And so after the 21-day fast, long story short, I felt like I was saying yes. So then I asked him out and... Yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, and we got married probably 15, 15 months from when we started dating. Yeah. So kind of like David and Janelle, it went really quickly. But I don't want that to be the precedent because I think one of the backstories is how long we were single. So yeah. how long were you single before we For started dating? For about three years. And I was the same way. And I would say that that season of singleness was crucial to us being ready for the engagement to go so quickly um, because it really helped to pre- prepare us, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it did. I think for me personally, I feel like that time being single really helped me. I feel like God was telling me, if I'm not enough for you, then a guy is never going to be enough for you. So during that time, it was like me just connecting with God so deep so that when he came along, he was my second and God was my first. Yeah, and so same here. Um, it helped me not to be a half a person, but to, be a, but to learn how to be a whole person. Not a half a person looking for another half a person to complete me, but it taught me how to be a whole person by myself. And it was so crazy because I could never see myself being single for life. But it was about the time where I met her where I was like, I was finally starting to give up hope. But, but it was more just a trust in God where I was like, you know what? I'm good. Like it was the first time I could say in three years, like, I'm good. Like, if this doesn't work out, like, I'm okay. Like, if I never find somebody, like, Jesus has my heart, and I'm, okay, and I'm good. I got it. And it was the moment I felt like what God was like, now you learned the lesson. Now I can graduate you into relationship that she came along. And so, um, yeah, that was really amazing. And it helped me then to go into marriage now that I was whole, not needing anything from her. And so now that I came into the marriage, I came in a position where now I could serve her instead of needing her to serve me. And it helped me see marriage. And this is what we're going to talk about for the next 10 minutes. That's about how much time we have. We're going to hit it. But um, it helped me see marriage as a calling, Um, something that, uh, because I really felt like when she came along, like God had prepared her for me. Like God had been doing something in her life, and now it was my job to protect her, to steward her, to care for her, to guide her. So I didn't see Liz just as my wife. 
I saw this as my ministry, like my calling, like something that I'm supposed to take care of and grow and, and develop. And, and that's the, what you need to do. And that's what we want to help you see marriage as, um, as a calling. So important. Yeah. And as a, a ministry or a calling, I mean, the secular world, you, you call it a calling for your occupation. You want to do things to get better at it. I mean, we look at our job, like I'm going to get better at my job. I'm going to get better at whatever my dreams are. I'm going to follow those things. Um, but the same thing in marriage, you want to do things to get better at. And you can't control what the other person does to get better. I mean, you can't always point the finger. This is what you need to do to fix yourself. But you could control yourself and what you do to get better. So today we're going to be talking about those things that you're called to do within your marriage as, as like a ministry calling over your life. And so the first one that we're going to talk about is I'm called to carry your burdens. And so for, for us, I mean, the best way I can explain it is that rather than putting another monkey on his back or, or put more burden on him, whenever he's going through a difficult situation or a hard time in his life, I'm there to help him and he's there to help me. And so like in our home, the best way I could describe it is like busy seasons, like Easter is crazy busy season, especially when you're a pastor of a church. So for me, what I try to do is I know he's going to be working late. I mean, we have rules in our house where we say after six o'clock, that's cutoff time. It's time to hang out with the kids. And, you know, I could easily be like, well, it's six o'clock. I've been with these crazy kids all day. <laughs> now it's your turn to take them. I'm done. No matter how difficult the time it is, how busy a time it is. But instead, I know it's a busy time for him. So I'm going to try to get the kids to calm down, keep it down, because his office is at home. So um, try to keep it down. And then also, um, whenever he's done working, I'm not there saying, well, where, why are you working so long? Like, where have you been all day? Why are you taking on all these meetings? What are you doing? Instead, I'm going to be there to ask him, hey, is there anything I could do to help you? If I see that he's, like, working through lunch, I'm going to bring him lunch. I'm going to do whatever I can to help him because that's who I am for him. I'm his helpmate. Yeah, and that's not just what a woman does or yeah, a wife does. Exactly. That's what a spouse does. Exactly. And so I have to make sure that I do the same for her and that I, totally, I don't take advantage of that because it's so easy, especially when you're a pastor. So I come home, you know, and, and, and the kids are all crazy and, she, and I can see that the kids are all crazy. It's really easy for me to come in and be like, I'm doing the work of the Lord right now. Like, <laughs> just take care of those, you know, those demons. Take care of those kids. I'm going to, I love, they're amazing. Um, and take care of them and I can't do that, right? I need to be strong when she's weak and then she's strong when and I'm weak, and we carry each other's burdens. Um, and that's so cool, because I, I used to think God just had great timing, because I would, um, there would be moments where I would feel so down, and then she would be like my rock, you know? And then there's moments when she would be down, and I would be her rock, like just uh, getting ready for this. Like, so she does not like to speak publicly, even though she's amazing at it, right? She's so good at it. But um, she doesn't like to do it. And so when she does it, like, she gets real stressed out. And so she had, the kids needed a haircut. And I was kind of done with, you know, my portion. And, and I saw, and I said, hey, you know, I'll give the kids a haircut. I'll take the, not give them, but I'll take them to go get a haircut. And you can go ahead and practice. Even though I had stuff to do, I wanted to make sure that I reciprocate that. And, but I felt the strength to do that. I felt the energy to do that. And I used to think it was because God had great timing. But then I learned it's not that God had great timing. It's that in moments of need, your calling comes out. And so when you see your spouse suffering, your calling comes out. It's like a mama. You know, when like a baby's like trapped inside of her car, she becomes like the Hulk. You know what I mean? She can just flip that thing over. It's the adrenaline that pumps. Why? Because she, her maternal role, her maternal calling, it kicks in. You want to protect your babies. When you see marriage as a calling, then when your spouse is suffering, something inside of you rises up and you get a strength that you didn't know, a Holy Spirit strength, a supernatural strength to serve that person and love that person. Uh, it says like this in the scriptures, 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. And here's a side note. Don't wait to be asked, husband, wife. Don't wait. If you can see, visibly see that your spouse is in need, be the one to offer, because you don't always want to ask for it. And then, but I love this verse right after it says, but each one should carry their own load. And I love that because I think Paul right there is separating. He's separating empowerment from enabling, enablement. He's separating helping from hurting because sometimes you can help someone so much you're hurting them and that's not what he's talking about. And the best example would be like a, a dad who's working late. If, if the dad is working late and it's a once in a time thing, you want to help him. You want to encourage him. You don't want to make him feel bad. You don't want to make him feel guilty. You want to speak life into him. That's helping. That's carrying his burden. But if day after day after day after day, he's coming in late and he's not paying attention to the kids, at that point, the best, thing, the best way you can help him is by confronting him and saying, hey, I think we might need to change your work schedule or change your job because your family's suffering. And so there's a difference there. You're called to carry what he or she can't carry, not what they won't carry. And there's a difference there, okay? And so that's, that's important. So, and uh, and a, a big way to know the difference is motive, which kind of leads us to our second. Yeah, and our second one, one is I'm, a, I'm called to assume the best. And so I can share personally that I guess that's a, that was a little hard for me when we first got married. I was raised in a home where my dad was from up north, so he has this attitude of, like, everyone's out to get you. Like, that was, that was his, he always taught me that. And so I brought that into my marriage, and I had to learn, like, I can't assume that everything that he does is with a negative motive or a negative heart. Like, that's not true. I need to, I, for me, I just picture, like, you put on these goggles, and, and you look at everything in that light, and the light of, I need to assume the best, that everything he does is in my best interest, that he cares and loves me, that he doesn't do things to hurt me. And so this might sound dumb, but for me, I remember in the beginning of, of, of our marriage, I'm, I'm in charge of keeping the house clean. He's in charge of taking out the garbage. That didn't always happen. And so there was times when I would get so upset because I'm like, I feel like you don't care. And, and I guess I would picture him walking by the garbage can, seeing it overflowing, and he's just like, huh, like, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to take out the garbage. And, and that's not true. Like, in my mind, I'm picturing all these things that are not even true. Like, he's not thinking that. He's just, he just forgets. And sometimes he's not doing things maliciously. Guys just sometimes, I mean, it's, it's sad to say, but maybe sometimes guys just don't think. Like, us women, we have to just pause right there and say that, that is so true. Wives, your husbands are not thinking to hurt you. They're just not thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's the truth. It's just the truth. So that doesn't make sense to a woman because yeah. a woman's mind is always on. It's running a million times an hour. Not us. We have a button that we hit at certain times of the day. Wish I could hit that burn button on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that it just shuts off. And when you realize that, it's like, oh, he's not mean. Yeah. I just, I just I remind him maybe. And I love the reminders. I really, I do. When she's like, hey, because she says it in such a nice way. You know, because yeah, it used to be like, oh. when I used to not throw a test, it used to be like, how dare you? You don't care. And then that turned into, hey, you probably forgot. Yeah. And then it made me feel like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And so even just the way you approach that wife or future wife, the way you approach that correction is, is, is going to be the difference between or a winner or a loss. Assuming the best yeah. in that person's motive. Yeah, and uh, husbands also assuming the best of their wives. And exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so here's, here's a big no-no in marriage. Never write a thought bubble over someone else's actions. So they do something and you're like, this is what they're thinking right now. <laughs> I'm going to stick it to them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave my shoe out right there in the dark so they can trip in the middle of the night. It's going to be awesome. It's a master plan. It's gonna be, no. You know, nobody's thinking that. Um, it's just it was a mistake. It was a simple error. And so when you assume the best, 
um, you really helps. And the Song of Solomon yes. has a verse. Songs of Solomon says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, little, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. And that word little is so important because you might think about the story of garbage or leaving stuff out or whatever as little, but those little things are, are, are what destroys a vineyard, destroys the blossoms. Yeah, and so when you're looking at the little things that your spouse does, you got to remember, for the most part, hey, the vineyard's blossoming. And so it's about getting your eyes off the foxes and getting your eyes onto the, the, the fruit. And, uh, and, our, and our last, the last one I want to share with you that I think will really bless you. I'm called to let God be God. Yeah, we're kind of running out of time, but, but share, share the pancake story real quick. In the yeah, movie. so there's a funny pancake story. Um, I don't know if you've heard it, of this mom who's making pancakes for her kids. And so then um, the kids rush down the stairs, and I can relate because the same thing happens with my kids. It's like they start fighting over who's going to get the first pancake because they're hungry. And so... The mom thinks, well, I'm going to use this as a teaching moment. And she tells the kids, um, you know what, guys? You know, Jesus had a brother. And if Jesus was here, he would let his brother have the first pancake. And so then the older brother tells the younger brother, will you be Jesus today? (laughs) (laughs) And it's so true. Like, you guys laugh about it. But that's sometimes what we do in our marriages. Like, you know, you're you're arguing about something and, and you're like, you say sorry first. Like, you give up the first pancake and, and we're like little brats. Like, you, you, you give in first. You say you're sorry first. You give up first. Yeah, and it's so funny because we do premarital counseling. And one of the things that we do is we make the couples kind of negotiate and come to little things. And, uh, and it's so funny because there's some things that they're really, sometimes couples can be really stubborn on. And, and for like, I remember this, I just premarital counseled one couple. There was something they could not agree on. And I was like, and I was teaching them this principle. And like legit for a minute at Starbucks, it was the most awkward minute. They were just like. And I can hear it in their mind. You be Jesus. You be Jesus. You give up. You give up. You be the first to say sorry. You be the first to give in. But you know what a really healthy marriage has? You know what you're called to do? You're called to be the first. You're called to be the first to be Jesus, to be Jesus, and let God be God. Yeah, that's super important. And and talking about let God be God, um, it reminds me of our boys um, recently. So I don't know if you guys know, but I homeschool my kids. Um, and so recently, what, what we usually do is like, I'll teach them, and then whenever we're done, I give them their homework, and, you know, they're sitting at their desk right next to each other. And so one day, I gave them their homework. I walked away. I went upstairs um, to go do laundry or something. And so I started hearing them arguing, but I let it be because I'm like, I always try to tell them, you guys solve each other. <laughs> you, you guys work it out. But then it got to the point where I heard my youngest. I heard, like, a big thump noise, and then I hear my youngest crying, like, hysterically. And that's when I know, all right, I need to go downstairs. So I came downstairs. And I'm like, guys, what is going on? Like, I just gave you your work. Like, why are you guys fighting? And so my oldest tells my youngest, like, he's over there playing Legos instead of doing his work. But then I look at his desk, and all he's done is written his name on, like, one paper. And I'm like, so this whole, like, past half an hour, he's been playing with his Legos, and all you're doing is fighting with him to the point you punched him to do his homework? Meanwhile, your work is not getting done. You need, and, I, and I had to tell him, like, you need to stop bothering your brother and, and trying to tell him what he needs to do. And you need to just sit there and do your own work. And, and let me That's be the preaching. mom. That's good preaching, somebody. And let me be the mom and let me be the one to tell your brother what he needs to be doing. And I feel like that's a really good picture of God. Like, he's looking at us in our marriage and we're over here, you know, taking our time trying to tell our spouse what they need to be doing. Like, you need to be doing this and you need to be doing that. Meanwhile, you're not doing the thing that God is calling you to do. And, and you're wasting your time trying to fix your husband or, or your spouse the other way around. And, and God is looking at us like, 
you need to just focus on what I asked you to do. And when, I, when, I, when you just focus on what I asked you to do, I'll step in and I'll speak to your spouse. And we, we also have to realize, and what's happened to me and I've realized is that God can whisper in my husband's ear in a moment, the thing that I've been nagging to him about for, for months. And so sometimes we just have to let it go. Some wife just got the liver right there. You need to write that down. The Holy Spirit can whisper to your husband or wife in a, in a moment what you've been trying to get them to do for months. If you would just be Jesus and let God be God. You be Jesus. Worry about your, worry about your homework. Worry about your side of the room. You do what God called you to do in your marriage and you watch Holy Spirit change the heart of that person while you're taking care of your heart. You watch that. And let me tell you something else. I've walked into my kids' rooms a ton of times and I'm going to be honest, there's never been a time where I wasn't surprised. Be like, how did that get wet? Why is that on fire? Why is he bleeding? Well, let me tell you something about God the Father. He never walks into your life surprised. He never looks at your situation and goes, how did that get there? How did that happen? OMG, I can't believe you are where you are. He's not surprised by your season of singleness. He's not surprised by how long it's taking. He's not surprised by the problems in your marriage. He walks into every situation, listen to me, in control. And I feel like that was the word God wanted us to end on tonight, this morning, that God is in control of your life, of your marriage, of your singleness. He is in control. You be Jesus. Let God be God. You coming to church by yourself? You coming to this whole series six weeks by yourself? Keep going, girl. Keep going, guy. Keep going. God's going to take care of what God can do. You just keep being Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you stand on your feet? We want to pray with you. If you're married, I want you to hold the hand of your spouse. If you're single, hands to Jesus. Hands to Jesus. We want to pray for every marriage and future marriage in this house right now. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, my God, for, for everyone here who's married or who's thinking about marry, getting married or who will get married in the future. God, we pray for these marriages. We pray that your spirit would be on it, my God, that we would see our relationship with our spouse as our ministry. God, that we would see it as something that has no plan B, that we're never going to give up on, God, that we're going to follow you, my God, and as we follow you, my God, we'll be able to hold on to each other, my God, that, that there's things that we're called to do, my God. I pray that you would just help us, remind us of this, my God, that it wouldn't just be something that's in our minds today, but we would keep with us every day. We're called to this marriage. We're called to help each other. To, to be there for each other. Holy Spirit, we just pray your spirit all over these marriages, my God. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. We'll keep our heads bowed, Father, because I believe that there are people here this morning who have never made a decision to follow you. We talk about Jesus being the answer and being Jesus. You need Jesus in your heart first in order to be Jesus. And so, Father, if there's anybody here who's never made an invitation to you to live inside their heart, I want to count to three right now, and I'm going to ask anybody in this room who's never made a decision to follow Christ, when I say three, to lift up your right hand as a signal and a sign, saying, yes, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I want to have you in my life so that I can be you in my marriage, in my future marriage, in my relationships. Yes, Lord. One, two, if that's you, lift up your right hand. Three, right now, hands up all over this building. Come on. Come on. I see your hand. I see your hand. Hey, if you lift up your hand, even if you didn't, church, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Dear God, I hear you today, and I want you in my heart. I want to start a new life. Jesus, forgive me. I give you all of me. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Come on, give it up for those who made a decision to follow Christ this morning. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. 
We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com, where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.